Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. How you doing, Red Sox fans? Welcome to another episode of Believe in Red Sox. In tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2023 Red Sox. We're going to talk a little about the offense tonight. We got a lot of new names here. We got some names that have come and gone. Pretty sad about Xander Bogart going to the Padres, but we got some new guys here to fill in those spots. And we're going to talk about the lineup tonight. We're going to talk about the bench. Let's get to it here, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome to tonight's episode of Believe in Red Sox. We haven't done this for a little while. I feel like it's, I don't know, how long has it been since we've had an episode? Uh, you know, we're just getting, you know, really getting into the meat of spring training now. We got the season coming up rather quick. We got the World Baseball Classic. You know, that's what we're all going to be looking forward to over the next few weeks. I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, no, it's been pretty fun so far for us Red Sox fans undefeated just beat Puerto Rico tonight you can't stop the Sox this spring undefeated they haven't lost a game they've tied a couple of games um but the Red Sox you know I know it's spring everyone wants to talk about you know everyone everyone likes to get excited about spring training but everyone likes to kind of undermine spring training but I don't know to me I'm I'm paying attention to the team. You know, every spring I'm looking to see which guys are clicking, which guys are struggling. And right now, this I don't know what it is, but there's something about this Red Sox team right now. They're they it feels like even though it's spring, they're playing with a bit of urgency. If that makes any sense. I don't know why guys are just looking like they're having a good time. They look like they're settling in. They look relaxed. I'm seeing a lot of smiles at spring training. Even Chris Sale is smiling at spring training, for goodness sakes. Um, but I'm liking the way the Red Sox are looking right now. you got a lot of guys that are stepping up, some younger guys, maybe even some guys that can win some roster spots, someone like a Raymel Tapia. We'll talk about him in this episode. Um, but overall, I'm just really enjoying the way the bats are looking. The pitching is looking pretty good. I'm not going to talk about the pitching in this episode. I'm going to talk mainly about the lineup. Uh, so the way I'm going to do it is I'll, I'll focus on the offense this episode. Then the next episode, I'll talk starting pitching. And then maybe after that, I'll talk uh, the bullpen in a separate episode. Or maybe I'll talk the starting pitching and the bullpen in the same episode. I'm not quite sure. But uh, we're really going to start getting into the previews here You know, with about a few weeks to go until the season. Um, but one thing before I do dive into everything, I do want to make an announcement uh, for the show. Uh, you know, for a while there, uh, we had Ellis Burks on the show and uh, he was co-hosting with me. It was great. We were having great conversation every single episode. Uh, but unfortunately, Ellis Burks will not be returning uh, to the Believe in Red Sox podcast uh, at least on a consistent basis, you know, maybe from time to time, he'll pop in, give his thoughts. Uh, but Ellis Burks, uh, he's, we're, we're going to go our separate ways uh, for the most part. Like I said, he'll, he'll stop by here and there. Um, but he's got a lot of other stuff going on right now. So, uh, but Ellis, if you are watching this man, I want to, you know, thank you for, you know, doing the show with me. It was awesome. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure uh, to do 
a show like this, you know, with a guy like Ellis Burks, you know, not just an amazing player when he, you know, was in the major leagues, you know, with the Red Sox, you know, with the Rockies, with the Giants, um, a, a great career, but just a stand-up guy, you know, great guy. Uh, enjoyed every conversation that we had, uh, but, uh, but yes, one more time, he will not be returning to the show on a consistent basis. At some point, we will have a new co-host, uh, but for right now, I'm going to carry the show as best as I can. But uh, everyone, before I do dive into the episode here, I just want to go over the sponsor for the episode, and that is Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and hey, baseball season's right around the corner, so stay tuned for that. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. But alrighty, let's get to it here. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this lineup. Uh, like I mentioned in the intro, uh, we got a lot of new faces. Uh, no more Xander Bogarts. So this lineup is, uh, honestly, it, it still looks a little weird looking at this lineup without seeing Xander Bogarts penciled in, you know, somewhere in the middle of the lineup. I'm not going to lie. I'm still getting used to it a little bit. Uh, but we do have quite a few new faces. Um, the way Bloom went about it, instead of just trying to replace Xander Bogarts, you know, with one player, you know, like someone like a Carlos Correa who was on the market for a little while, he kind of went with a, a divide and conquer sort of a strategy where he, instead of just adding one player, he added a few different names. Uh, so let's share the screen here. We got a lot to look at here. Here we go. So uh, now a few of the names that we saw come to the Red Sox this offseason. Overall, I would, for me personally, I would say the biggest name is Masataka Yoshida. Again, he is a bit of a wild card at the moment, a, a bit of an unknown. Um, but in my opinion, I think this guy, with the numbers that he put up in Japan, I've mentioned this like a million times, very similar numbers to Ichiro. Uh, Ichiro definitely had the better batting average over in Japan, but very similar on base numbers. Uh, and I think Yoshida, the way the guy gets the bat on the ball, he can hit oppo. It's, it looks like from how he's been hitting this spring, it looks like he's ready to, ready to attack that monster just at will. So really excited about how Yoshida has been looking. He's been hitting oppo. He's been pulling. I think he's going to be a really solid bat for this Red Sox lineup. And then we uh, also acquired or signed Justin Turner. A scary incident the other day, getting hit straight in the face. That dude basically just got up shrugged it off like it was nothing blood coming down his face and said hey I'm all right you know it's gonna be a few days before we see him maybe even a couple weeks uh I don't think Turner is gonna be out very long uh from the sounds of it you know Corey was talking about it a little bit seems like it's more on the optimistic side that he will be ready for opening day you know Turner this is a guy you know he's been in the league for so long now I I just think spring training for him at this point it's kind of you know 
it is what it is for him. You know, as long as he gets himself a couple at-bats, I think he'll be all right. So Justin Turner, I do expect to see on opening day. At least I hope so. But either way, uh, I ho- I'm hoping the best for the guy. I hope, hope he's doing all right. Um, but we also got Adam Duvall uh, signing him as a free agent. And then uh, we did see a little bit of Tristan Cassis last year. But in my opinion, the, the fact that we're going to be seeing Tristan Cassis on a full-time basis this coming season, I'll consider him a new face as well. Uh, and then we get, you know, got Kike Hernandez, who in my opinion was basically non-existent last year. Um, you know, had the, had a lot of hip flexor issues going on, some back issues going on. He was basically not around really. He was, he was there here and there, but to me, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do, you know, coming back this year. Um, but as you can see here, there is no Xander Bogarts, but I'm, excited about what this lineup can do sure Bogarts isn't here but that the lineup will absolutely take a bit of a hit there but I just like that we got a few new guys who can do some damage so overall I think this Red Sox offense can definitely absolutely definitely be a top 15 offense could they be a top 10 I think they can uh it just really it's gonna come down to I think how is Cora gonna be setting this lineup Who's going to be leading off? Who's going to be hitting in the middle of the order? Now, with Cora, the one thing with Cora is he does like to have guys in their spots. Like, he likes to kind of build that consistency. Um, But with Cora, of course, he will go with matchups as well, uh, you know, based off statistics. So, you know, guys in the end will move around. You'll have other guys leading off here and there. But I do think he is going to be looking for some guys that will find, you know, a solid spot in the lineup. Now... Starting off, now Fangraphs, the lineup that they have projected here, they have Tristan Cassis leading off, Raphael Devers in the two-hole, Justin Turner at number three, Masataka Yoshida at number four, Alex Verdugo at five, Kike Hernandez at six, Adam Duvall at seven, Reese McGuire at eight, and Christian Arroyo at number nine. Now, there's a couple of spots here I agree with Fangraphs on. I absolutely love Fangraphs. Uh, I know a lot of you out there. You know, you think, oh, man, Robbie, he uses Fangraphs so much. He counts on Fangraphs way too much. Now, I love Fangraphs. I love the analysis and and the data that that they present. But I don't agree with Fangraphs all the time. Uh, For me personally, I'm going to give you all my lineup. Uh, Now, I'm, you know, not an expert by any means. I'm just a doofus that sits at my desk. But I've been watching the Red Sox for a little while now. You know, what is it now? Almost 25 years at this point. And uh, over 25 years, actually. But to me, uh, the lineup that I came up with, it just feels like... I feel like we're going to see something similar to it. Um, Now, when it comes to Cora, I, I, I think he looks at where have a lot of these guys hit in their career. And he also looks at the numbers, too. But the guy that I think is going to lead off, and I, I absolutely could be very wrong here. We've seen a couple of names thrown around this spring. Uh, we've even seen possibly, you know, Masataka Yoshida as a leadoff hitter. But Cora has actually commented on that, uh, saying here there was a quote that he gave to uh, Chris Cotillo at the end of February. And uh, he commented on it, saying that Yoshida, he's not quite sure if he's going to be having him lead off uh, because in Japan, he was mostly hitting in the middle of the order. So I feel like that might not be a comfortable or Cora probably thinks that's not going to be a comfortable spot for him overall. But the one thing that he did say is he wants Raphael Devers and Yoshida to be split up 
And he does want Raphael Devers in the second spot. I think that's going to be pretty much firm at this point. I think you'll see Raphael Devers as the number two guy in that lineup. Uh, so now, who leads off? Now, he's pretty much saying here... Um, if we go back to this article here, it says here, on Saturday, he hinted that Yoshida, who previously appeared to be the favorite to hit leadoff, is more likely to hit somewhere in the middle of the order. Though the Red Sox think Yoshida, an on-base machine, is plenty capable of hitting first, he has never done it before in Japan. It seems like Cora is leaning toward hitting him a little lower behind Devers, who is expected to hit second. So, and then he uh, has the actual quote here. Uh, with Yoshida, maybe fourth or leadoff, I'm starting to have a better feel with both sides. So we haven't really been seeing Yoshida lead off this spring. So I think that kind of tells you that you're probably not going to see him lead off. So there's also been talks of, you know, maybe Tristan Cassis getting some leadoff spots. You know, he has actually been hitting leadoff in the spring a few times. I don't think Cassis will end up being the leadoff guy person. He definitely could be because he is an on-base kind of a guy, but and he's kind of like in a way that sort of uh, kind of like when we had Kyle Schwarber, when Schwarber would lead off and then uh, Schwarber at the top of the order for the Phillies. Why? Because Schwarber was just an on-base guy. He was so good at getting on base at the top of the order. Now, Cassis reminds me of that, but the one thing with Cassis the guy's 23 years old. He's just coming up to the major leagues. I'm sure if he was told, hey, you're going to be the leadoff guy, I'm sure he would be like, all right, challenge accepted. Let's do it. I feel like they personally won't do it just because, you know, you don't want to be just, that's a lot of pressure on just a kid already. I personally think Cassis will hit lower in the order, but I absolutely could be wrong about that. The guy that I'm going to go with at leadoff is Kike Hernandez, to be completely honest with you. Um, Kike Hernandez, like I said, last year had a lot of injuries. He was out for a lot. I mean, how many games did he even play? Yeah, uh, he, he had 361 at bats last year. How many games was that? I can't remember how many games. It wasn't a whole lot of games. But uh, if we take a look here at his numbers in the leadoff spot, taking a look, where in the world, uh, baseball reference, where, what are we doing here? Baseball reference, they uh, they got a lot of great numbers on here. Uh, here we go. There we go. Batting order positions. Here we go. Uh, so, Kike Hernandez, in his career, has batted leadoff the most, right? The second most he's batted is seventh and then ninth. So, but batting first over, he's had 250 games batting first. And uh, in his career, he's hit 246 out of the leadoff spot with a 318 on base and a 442 slugging, a 760 OPS overall. So you might be thinking here, well, that batting average isn't very high. That on base isn't very high. But the one thing with Kike Hernandez that he does is he, he's just that energy kind of a guy, you know? He's sort of that guy that just gets everyone going. He brings that sort of swagger in a way where, you know, when you got Kike Hernandez leading off the game, he, he kind of comes into the clubhouse and he kind of just takes the pressure off of guys. You know, he's a loosey-goosey guy. He comes in, he's just ready to play. He's making jokes. That's where I think he, it's the intangibles with him, where to me, he is a good leadoff hitter. And uh, But if you go back, you know, to 2021, he was so good in 2021. Let's actually go look at his numbers here uh, back in 2021. 
a very good season. He was close to a four-win player on Fangrass. But overall, in 2021, he hit 250 with a 337 on base and a 449 slugging, 20 homers and 60 RBIs. But if we go take a look at the numbers in the batting order, did I already go by it? My potato brain is not helping me out here. Where are the batting order stats? What is going on here? I can't find it now. What is going on? What are we doing? Anyway, let's just go by inning here. In the first inning, in 119 games in the first inning back in 2021, he hit 286 with a 339 on base. So we he's again, he brings that energy, right? He brings those intangibles, right? That's what I like about Kike Hernandez. Here we go. Now, okay, I found the numbers. Baseball reference. I, I cannot find your numbers. That's because of me, not you. But batting first, 118 games in 2021. He was hitting 254, but the on base was really good. In his career, what did I say it was? Like a 318? But back in 2021, it was a 342. So he can absolutely lead off. So for me personally, he's my leadoff hitter. I just like what he brings to the table. Uh, but you could go with a couple other guys. Could you go with Yoshida? Could you go with Cassis? Sure. But I think Kike is going to be the guy uh, leading off for the Red Sox. And batting second, like I just mentioned here a little bit ago, Cora said he wants to bat Devers second. And I agree. I mean, Devers has batted second a ton. Uh, it just seems to be the spot. It just seems to be his spot. And uh, and I think to me, you know, we see a lot of the best hitters in the game now batting second. And I think Devers, I think it's just a perfect fit. I mean, I'm not really going to say much else. Uh, he was extremely good last year. In the second half, he was kind of wearing down a little bit. He had a couple of injuries there. So he wasn't as consistent in the second half last year. But man, that first half, he was so good. And, uh, and I think now, to me, honestly, um, when I'm thinking of Devers, you know, getting that big old contract extension, you know, I, you could go either way. I think a lot of people are like, all right, well, you know, Raphael Devers, he got the bag. He's going to get he's going to start getting comfortable now. No, I see it the other way. I think Raphael Devers, I think he's now he now knows where he's going to be playing for the rest of his career, or at least most of the rest of his career. Um, he kind of, it takes that sort of pressure off of him now where he's not even thinking about it anymore. He's got the big payday. I think Devers is going to come in now. He's not even thinking about the contract anymore. He knows his paycheck is going to be very good. Every single paycheck. And uh, he's just going to come in and just hit man. And I think Devers at number two, um, what else is there to say? I think it's the perfect spot for him. Uh, Jake R. in the chat, you're saying Kike Hernandez is a bench player. I got to very firmly disagree with you on that, my friend. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know, man. I think you got to rethink that. I think you got to rethink that. Uh, batting third. Batting third. Uh, Fangraphs has Justin Turner batting third. And I completely agree. Uh, Turner, he has mostly batted third in his career. If you go take a look at the numbers, and I think also, even without the numbers, Kike was, is a righty leading off. And then you got Devers as the lefty. And then you got Justin Turner as the righty. So you're splitting up the righties right there. So I think it's just perfect for Justin Turner to be batting third. And like I said, in his career, uh, he has hit third the most. 540 games. And the numbers speak for themselves. He's hit 299 batting third, a 382 on base, a 494 slugging. Uh, yeah, 
to me, Justin Turner, I think he's the perfect three hitter. If you go take a look at StatCast here, the guy is going to absolutely mash with this monster. It's such a perfect fit. You know, Justin Turner in the offseason, I was thinking to myself, you know, Justin Turner, like, he'd be all right with the Red Sox, you know? But I just didn't think he would ever be a possibility for the Red Sox. To me, I, you know, thinking Justin Turner, this guy's just going to be a Dodger. He's going to be a Dodger for the rest of his career. And I'm just thinking he was never going to leave. And then he ended up becoming a free agent. I'm like, oh, you know, why not? Why not? You know, Justin Turner, when they did it, I'm like, all right, here we go. It makes so much sense. Uh, To me, I'm excited to see what he can do. And the fact that he's not going to be playing really a whole lot of third base, he's going to be doing mostly DHing. I think that's going to be even better for him at this point in his career. He's lost a bit of a step defensively, but the guy can still hit, man. So Justin Turner, I think, should be the number three hitter. Uh, So this is where it can get a little creative, I think. The cleanup spot. Number four. You could go a couple of different ways here. Now, Alex Cora, I mentioned in that article with Chris Cotillo, um, he was mentioning Yoshida as, you know, possibly a four hitter, right? Or, you know, and also considering him at leadoff. Um, But I will actually throw this one out there. You all know me. I'm a stat guy. I like my stats. I like my numbers. You know... (sighs) I don't know if they're going to do this. I don't think they will. But I wonder if Korath maybe has already looked at this and he's thought to himself, you know, maybe this is interesting. Could you maybe have Alex Verdugo as your cleanup hitter? That might sound crazy. I know you might be thinking, huh, what? Alex Verdugo? I mean, he was okay last year, but he wasn't great. I mean, really, when you take a look at Verdugo last year, um, Alex Cora... This offseason, right, coming into this season, if there was, he, he was asked, all right, which guy, you know, which guys do you think need to step up in 2023? The one guy that he was pointing out was Alex Verdugo. And uh, Verdugo actually commented on that saying, yeah, yeah, I didn't like that. I, 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 didn't, I didn't appreciate that. But you know what? It kind of, he said it kind of ticked him off a little bit and he took it as a challenge. So I wonder how is Verdugo going to, mentally respond to that and how is he going to respond with the bat last year over 152 games he had a good batting average of 280 but the on base it was okay at a 328 it could be better he's had better on base percentages in his career in 2021 he was definitely a a way better hitter overall he had 289 he had a 351 on base but the slugging is a little concerning last year it was a 405 If you go back to 2020, over 53 games, he had a 478 slugging. Back in 2019 with the Dodgers, over 106 games, he had a 475 slugging. But the last year, that slugging percentage and the WRC Plus, it really dropped. So that's where Alex Cora is coming out and saying, hey, listen, Verdugo, this guy's got a hit. I wonder... I wonder, hear me out here. I wonder if maybe Cora says, you know what? You want, you want me to challenge you? You want me to, you know, you want to show me what you got? I'm going to put you as the cleanup hitter. I wonder if he does that. Cora is kind of one of those guys where he likes to, 
really push some guys. He really likes to challenge them. I wonder if he inserts Verdugo into this cleanup spot. And why am I thinking, you know, Verdugo as a cleanup hitter as well? I'm just looking at the numbers here. If you go take a look at Verdugo, last year alone, batting fourth, he had 34 games batting fourth. In that spot, he hit 289, had a 354 on base, and a 461 slugging. I mean, those are pretty solid numbers. I'm just saying, he batted fifth mostly last year, but the batting average was down 10 points at 279. The on-base was down about 30 points at 325, and his slugging percentage was way down at 409. Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like Verdugo is one of those guys he could really take to that spot at a, on a full-time basis, you know? And But one other reason is that also it keeps that trend of righty-lefty, righty-lefty. So that's where you could also put Yoshida here. So I wonder how they do this. I think you obviously could go with Yoshida in this spot. I mean, obviously the, the, the pedigree that this guy showed in Japan, you know, obviously this guy's a good hitter, but I wonder, you know, I think you could go either way with these two guys. Could you maybe ease Yoshida in, put him a little lower in that lineup, you know, coming over from Japan, you know, maybe a little, maybe a little pressure there. You know, maybe uh, take you know putting him sixth in that lineup, or maybe even fifth on some days. Maybe it takes a little pressure off of him, you know, and uh, kind of eases him in. I still think personally, you know, talent wise, he can absolutely handle being a cleanoff hitter or a, a clean. What did I just say? A cleanoff, a cleanup hitter. Um, I think he, I think he could definitely do it, but I just wonder if he goes with Verdugo as the cleanup guy. I think you go with either guy. I'd be okay with either. I think if you're kind of, if I'm putting money down and I'm going with a guy, I'd probably go Yoshida. I think just the pedigree that he showed in Japan, you know, just the skills that he possesses. I think Yoshida will end up being the cleanup guy, but I would not be surprised to see Verdugo as the fourth guy. So I think with those two, one of them will bat cleanup and the other one will bat six. Why am I doing that instead of one of them batting fifth? Again, I'm trying to stick with Righty, lefty, righty, lefty. That's kind of how I've always been playing MVP baseball back in the day. I always like to split up the lefties. I always try to split up the righties if I can. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just always felt right to do something like that. Now, who's batting fifth, right? So if I got uh, Yoshida and Verdugo batting fourth and sixth, respectively, who's going to bat fifth? Well, I think Duvall is the guy that you can go with. I think, uh, I think Duvall... If you look at his numbers in his career, he's hit cleanup most in his career. He's batted fourth, 274 games in his career. And, uh, I mean, the the slash line isn't amazing. A 239 batting average, a 293 on base, a 467 slugging. So, that slugging is pretty good, okay? He's had 56 home runs out of that spot and 190 RBIs. But now, I'm looking at the fifth spot, Okay. Batting average and on base are a little lower, pretty much around the same, just a smidge lower. But if you look at the slugging percentage, he has a 493 slugging percentage in the fifth spot. So I'm looking at that. And I think to me, and just the way the lineup kind of shakes up with the righty lefties, I think Duvall, it just makes sense for him to bat fifth here. So 
I'm okay with that. And, you know, if you go with different orders, you know, on different days, I'd be completely okay with Duvall batting fourth. I think that those are the two spots you got to see Duvall in fourth or fifth. I mean, right there, because Duvall, he's an RBI guy. He's a home run guy. You know, that's what I think personally. Every time I think of the fifth spot, I always, I don't know, going back to my days, you know, seeing Schrott Nixon batting fifth all the time. I always, I don't know what it was with Schrott Nixon. The, the guy was just like the perfect five hitter to me. I don't know why. I always loved me some Schrott. I always think of a guy batting fifth as like an on base kind of a guy. But, you know, times have changed. And uh, to me, we're just, we're seeing just more power guys in these spots. And I think Duvall, I think he'd be perfect for the fifth spot. Uh, batting six. Who do I got batting six? Oh, yeah. So I already talked about that. So, yeah, Yoshida or Verdugo. I think either one in either of those spots is completely fine. Uh, so let's go to the number seven hitter. And we actually have a comment here in the chat. Todd B., uh, what kind of an impact does Tristan Cassis have this year? Well, for me, I'm going with Cassis as the seven guy right now. The bottom three, you know, it's interesting with Cassis because he bat in a small sample size last year, he batted six for the most part, you know, but last year is last year. It was pretty much a lost cause at that point. But with Cassis, it's interesting with Cassis because I feel like you could go a couple of different spots with him. He is a guy that will, whoever's batting six, Cassis is good protection for whoever's batting six. Why? Because the guy just gets on base, right? Cassis is an on-base machine, and I think it, at some point in his career, he will be a leadoff hitter or a two-hitter. I, I think he will be, or even a cleanup hitter, right? I think he will bat higher in the lineup at some point in his career. I just feel like right now, with just the way it's shaking up, I feel like starting him in the seven spot to begin the year, it feels appropriate. You know, Fangraphs, they got him leading off. I don't know. To me personally, mentally, you know, from just a from just a mental point of view, I just wonder if they thrust him into that spot. They've definitely given him some time. They've given him some time this spring, right? They have absolutely given him some opportunities to hit leadoff. And I kind of wonder if at some point. They go that way. I think starting off, they won't. They, they could. I'm not saying they won't. But I just feel like personally, you should probably just start him somewhere lower in the order, right? Because at, at least, you know, with him, he's a guy that gets on base. He's going to be some pretty good protection for whoever's batting six, right? So that's where I got, that's where I got Cassis. I, I think he's going to be... Really good, honestly. Just to answer your question, Todd B. Um, I think he's gonna have a good impact. I think he's gonna be a good bat for the Red Sox. I think he's gonna give pitchers problems. Um, he's gonna be a tough out. He's always been that kind of a player. I, honestly, I think with Cassis, I think you could see a 270, 280 hitter, you know, somewhere like uh, anywhere from like a 340 to a 350 on base, you know, maybe like a mid fours slugging, you know, maybe like 430 to a 460 slugging you know, somewhere in that range. That seems about right for me. But uh, I think he is going to be a problem for some of these pictures. And uh, I think he's only going to make this Red Sox lineup that much tougher. And then uh, rounding out the bottom of the order, I have Christian Arroyo at number eight. Uh, and that's the other thing here too. Christian Arroyo, he's been having himself a pretty decent spring. Uh, if we go take a look at some of the numbers here, uh, with Mr. Christian Arroyo, where are you, my friend? 
Where are his numbers? Here we go. So he's played seven games so far this spring. He's hitting 316. He's got a couple of homers. He's got some RBIs. I think Arroyo is kind of one of these underrated hitters coming into the year. I think he's going to, you know, if you go back to 2021, he had some moments there. The problem with Arroyo is he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Now, some of them have been kind of fluky injuries. And, you know, he's gotten COVID a couple of times. I think a couple of times, once or twice, can't remember. But he's he has not been able to be on the field consistently. So if he has a full consistent year, you know, 140, 150 games, well, I guess that also depends on Trevor Story, what's going to happen with him, if he's going to come back or not. I'm not even considering Trevor Story right now because I just don't even know what he is even going to bring. If he's even going to play, I have, I have no idea. Um, but with Christian Arroyo, I think this is a guy who could really help extend the lineup at the bottom of the order. He's not a schmuck, man. He is no just Joe Schmo out there. Christian Arroyo is a good player. He's a good player. I think he brings energy to this team as well. There is a reason he is still on this roster, right? There is a reason this guy is always around. Whenever he's there, he's always somehow in this lineup. I think he's going to be a good guy, man. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. And that's another guy, too. You can hit him near the top of the order as well. I think, that, like I said, Cora, you know, guys getting days off. He's going to switch the lineup around. I could see Arroyo leading off some games. I could see him batting second some games. So, But for the most part, I feel like he will bat near the bottom. And then we got Reese McGuire at the bottom of the order as well. He had a grand slam this spring, if I'm remembering that. Did he, was it a grand slam? I think it was a grand slam. But, uh, you know, with Reese McGuire, this is a guy who's more defense. But he's a guy that can hit for some pop. You know, if he really gets into one man, he can hit it a mile. But, uh, you know, McGuire, this to me is the nine hitter. You know, could you bat him eighth? Now, I see what Fangraphs is doing here. Fangraphs has him batting eighth, and they have Arroyo batting ninth. I see the the strategy in that. Because Reese McGuire, for the most part, he's just not much of a bat. So if you have him batting eighth, and then you have someone like Arroyo who is almost like a second leadoff hitter, right? Because if he's batting ninth and you know he's a good hitter out of the nine spot, and then you get to the leadoff hitter, you know, I could see the why Fangraphs is sort of considering this. So I could see this going either way. I think Arroyo could hit ninth, right? And uh maybe because Arroyo can protect McGuire. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how this all shakes out. I'm really interested in this lineup. Uh, let me know what you think down below in the comments. Uh, you know, where do you, how do you see this lineup shaking up? Who do you think leads off? Who do you have batting third? Who do you have batting fourth? Just let me know. Uh, as for the bench right now, Fangraphs, they have Jorge Alfaro as the backup catcher. He's been hitting. This spring, Alfaro has absolutely He's been showing what he can do a bit with the bat. So let me actually pull up the numbers here. So four games so far, but he's got seven hits, 10 at bats and seven hits. He's batting 700 this spring. So he's got a couple of doubles as well. The guy has an arm. That's the one thing about Jorge Alfaro is he has a gun, man. Like he has a cannon, right? Um, you know, taking a look here at Fangraphs, I don't know if they still have his scouting stats. 
or not? Maybe not. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, the power. That's the one thing without Pharaoh, man. He's a righty bat. He's got the Fangraphs back in 2018. They had him as a 70 raw power. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, dude can mash. He can absolutely mash, man. And uh, with that monster, absolutely. I mean, he's on a minor league deal, right? I mean, you, so I'm looking at something here that Rotowire put. Alfaro has a March 25th upward mobility clause in his minor league contract with the Red Sox, which would allow him to sign a major league deal elsewhere if Boston doesn't plan to have him on the opening day roster. So... March 25th is going to be decision day for Alfaro. I'm sure by that point, they will let him know what his role will be. But I, I think he could be the backup guy because he does have that power. He's a righty bat with that power at Fenway Park. But he has a cannon of an arm. Back in 2018, they gave Alfaro a 70 throwing grade. The, the guy likes to throw people out, man. And I think that can come into play a little bit just because of how the pitch clock is right guys are going to be way more aggressive on the bases and I think Alfaro he kind of fits that mold a little bit where guys are going to be running more and I think they're going and and the bases are a little bigger too so I think they're going to look at his arm strength and I think that they're going to say hey you know what this guy's got a cannon I think we need that arm right the fielding isn't as good as the arm but it's good enough. You got McGuire as the defensive guy, but Alfaro, the fact that you could have this guy as a backup with the bigger bases, along with the pitch clock, runners being you know more aggressive on the bases, I absolutely think Alfaro could end up being the backup guy. Uh, but let me know. You know, you do have Connor Wong as well. You know, what will he end up doing? So, I believe right now he has a bit of a hamstring issue. But I think for me personally. I think Alfaro will be the backup guy, and I think you're probably going to see Wong probably in AAA. He's going to be more of like the depth guy. And then uh, Bobby Dahlback, I feel like he is a guy. He's actually been playing. He's actually been taking some ground balls at shortstop this spring. Very interesting. Uh, but I think Dahlback will be here. You know, could he end up just going up and down? You know, to AAA. You know, back up to the major league roster. Sure. But I think Dahlback, he's got a lot to prove. So look out for him. But either way, he can play the corners. They could even just stick him at, you know, wherever. You know, they can go stick him out and left if they need to. They can probably throw him at second, whatever. Hey, throw him at short. I don't care. Uh, you got Yu Chang. He signed a one-year deal. So I think you're going to see him. Now the question is, the fourth outfielder spot. All right. So Rob Snyder last year was really good for the Red Sox. It was really good. They did agree on a one-year deal. Um, I believe Ref Snyder will end up being the guy, personally. I, I think he will be the fourth outfielder. Just, be just based off of what he did last year, he was so good with the bat. He was so good defensively as well. I think he will be the fourth outfielder, but there is someone that is making some noise. So I wonder if they could end up going with a couple of outfielders. Raymel Tapia has been hitting extremely well this spring. Let me actually refresh the page. He's got 17 at-bats so far this spring. He's got seven hits, four RBIs, even got a home run. 
He's hitting 412 this spring. He is really showing some potential. You know, I think he will it's it's really interesting because could he win a spot on the team or would he accept a minor league assignment, right? Would he go to AAA and kind of just go hit down there and just wait for an opportunity? Or could he just end up, you know, signing with another team? So I believe he was a spring training invite, but I could be wrong. I feel like he, yeah, he was a non-roster invite. So I, I'm not sure. So yeah, he has an opt-out clause. So if he's not added to the 40-man roster, he can opt out. So it's going to be interesting. I feel like he could be a 40-man guy. You know, he's a guy that can give you some depth, you know, down in the minors. He's got good speed. So I feel like he is a guy that could be valuable. And the Red Sox, even if he doesn't make the opening day roster, I feel like the Red Sox would say to him, like, hey, we really like what you bring to the table. We absolutely, you know, would love to keep you on the 40-man roster. You know, go play down with the Woo Sox for a little bit. And when the time comes, someone goes down with an injury, we'll call you up. You know, I feel like the Red Sox see a bit in him, right? And uh, it'll be just be interesting if, you know, whether or not he would want to opt out so it's going to be interesting you know when it comes to some younger guys now if I'm looking at prospects that could help out at some point the one guy that has been getting a little bit of attention uh with the bat is a man and Manuel Valdez right he had one swing this spring where he was getting a lot of comparisons to Juan Soto the guy can absolutely hit um, and I actually see a comment here from Josh. Uh, does Valdez start the season on the major league roster? Dude looks <laughs> you actually just said what I said. Dude looks like the next coming of Juan Soto. Um, I don't think he starts the major league with the major league team. I think he ends up just starting in AAA. Uh, personally, he's 24 years old. There's no rushing. You don't need to rush the guy. I think he will be the next man up. If, you know, Arroyo, again, like I said, he's had problems, you know, staying on the field. You know, yeah, sure, there have been some kind of a couple of fluky little things with him. But I think with with Arroyo, hey, you know what? If he ends up going down, I think Valdez will be the next guy up. So I wouldn't be mad at that. The guy, he's got an electric bat. I mean, he hit really well last year. When he came over to the Red Sox, his numbers weren't as good. He hit 237 with the Wu Sox over 44 games, but with the Astros organization over 38 games, he hit 296 with a 347 on base and a 560 slugging. So I think he is next in line for, you know, that second base spot. He can also play some outfield as well. So I think he will be the guy that gets it gets the call if you see an injury. So now if I'm looking at someone like a Sedan Rafaela. He has not really been hitting very well this spring. He's been giving a lot. He's been given a lot of playing time so far this spring. He's had 10 games, 18 at bats. He hasn't quite shown the the numbers. He's not really uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. He's not really uh, asserting himself as a guy that could make some noise. It looks like right now the way it's going, he will start the year at AAA, which I kind of expected. I don't think this is a guy that's going to, uh, you know, like Jackie Bradley Jr. Like he made their opening day roster back in 2013. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, 
I just don't think Rafaela is really kind of going to do that, make that same kind of noise personally. Um, again, 10 games, only hitting 222 so far. He's got, he's not striking out a whole bunch, but he's not walking. That's the one thing with Rafaela. He needs to work on stop being so aggressive. I, I want him to walk more. I want him to just see more pitches, right? He gets the bat and the ball a lot, but a lot of times it just turns into outs. So with Raphael, I think the one thing that they're going to end up doing, they're just going to probably have him start the year double A, triple A, and then they're just going to have him continue to work on being a little bit more patient. So don't think that is going to happen. You know, Ryan Fitzgerald, he's actually been getting a lot of playing time this spring. He's been actually doing okay. I just don't see really him doing all that much. Uh, with the major league team, at least in the early goings, you know, could you see him get a call at some point? Uh, he's hitting pretty well, 11 games, hitting 333. Now, someone like David Hamilton is really interesting. Uh, not doing amazing so far this spring, eight games. He's only hitting 231. But the one thing with David Hamilton, I think this is a guy you could end up seeing. And another guy, too, is Matthew Lugo. I'll get to Matthew Lugo here in just a second. But with David Hamilton, the one thing that this guy possesses is speed. Man, last year in AA, he had 70 stolen bases. That's absurd. That is absolutely absurd. He had 70 stolen bases. That's crazy in 119 games. I'm just saying. So, And especially with the bigger bases now, you know? And the, uh, and, and the pitch clock, too, just the runners are being more aggressive. I think you could see Hamilton in some capacity this year. Um, and taking a look here, Matthew Lugo, he's got, he's got 10 at-bats this spring. He's got five RBIs hitting 400. I think, you know, this is a guy, you know, one of those, if one of those infielders goes down and man, maybe let's say Emmanuel Valdez isn't hitting too well, I think Matthew Lugo is a guy you could end up seeing as well. And one more guy also is uh, Adalberto Mondesi. Taking a look here, right now he's not playing, but uh, he's been hitting in the cages or, you know, or hitting on the field or whatever, but, you know, but he's not like hitting in games, obviously. And he's been fielding grounders. So I think with him, you know, it's going to be a little bit before you see him, but once he is activated, I think he will end up, he'll end up being on the team. So don't think that they would send him to, you know, triple A for a long time. I would imagine he would be on the team when he's ready to go. So, you know, overall, I really like the Red Sox lineup. I know a lot of people might be thinking like, Robbie, you're crazy. You're just, you're just being a homer right now. No, I do. I actually like this lineup. I, I was actually listening to another podcast. It, it was the, the, or was it, was it another podcast or was the, uh, it was that space thing on, on Twitter yesterday, Jared Carabas was on it. I believe Chris Cotillo was on it. There were a few other guys that were on it. I heard someone mention that there's been a lot of comparisons with this team and the 2013 Red Sox. And they and I forget who was even saying it, but he basically said that he thinks that those comparisons are a little absurd, right? They're a little overblown. I'll be honest, I... I see some similarities with this team in 2013. You know, I don't think 
obviously there were some different circumstances that year. You had the track, the Boston Marathon tragedy. There was a lot of stuff that just just clicked for the Red Sox that year. Um, I do see similar traits of that team. You know, a couple of guys like someone like a Justin Turner and an Adam Duvall. Those guys almost kind of remind me of Mike Napoli and like Johnny Gomes coming over where they weren't like really, you know, they weren't looked at as the most amazing players coming to the team, but guys that ended up really contributing for that, for that championship team. And someone like a Yoshida, you know, a new face, you know, I I do see some things. I understand why people will make that comparison, but uh, I think this lineup has the potential to be a top 10. I really do. I think sure. Bogarts is gone, but you got guys that can drive in runs from way more spots. I could actually argue that this lineup has more extension than last year's lineup. Right? I think there's more bats top to bottom that prov- that provide more of a threat overall in this lineup. Now, Bogarts is a huge name to lose, but you got some guys here, lesser guys, but they're more spread out. All right. And that's what I appreciate about this lineup. You know, I, I think it is a pretty good lineup. Uh, at the end of the day, I think they will hit and I think they will drive in runs. I think it's going to come down to the pitching with this team, which I will talk about in the next episode. I'm not going to get into that here. I'm going to save that for the next episode that we would be here for another hour talking about this. So those are those are my thoughts on the lineup for right now um let me know your thoughts down below in the comments you know if you're watching this on youtube you can also find this wherever you listen to your favorite podcast whether that's uh spotify google stitcher wherever make sure if you can leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on a podcast somewhere uh everyone if you are here with me live on youtube or watching the replay if you can hit that like button for me and uh, also uh if you are new to the channel think about subscribing down below we're trying to get to 30k by opening day we're at 29,000 we're approaching 29.1 so I don't know if we're going to be able to hit 30k by opening day but it's a goal why why not could we maybe explode in the next few weeks maybe but everyone that's all I got for this episode I want to thank you for tuning in Uh, always greatly appreciate it wherever you are listening to this podcast everyone uh, go have yourself a good rest of your evening. My dishes are done. If you're hearing a beeping, that means my dishes are done. Everyone go have yourself a good rest of your night and I'll be on the lookout for the next episode. I'll be talking about, I might do the start. might just do the starting pitching. Maybe I'll do the starting pitching and the bullpen. No, we'll see. We'll, We'll just see how it goes, but go have yourself a good rest of your night. Everyone. If you are with me here on YouTube, if you're listening to this the next morning, the next day, have a good rest of your day. And, uh, everyone, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.